Well, hello, and welcome to Sips and Sensibility, a podcast where three best friends from college talk about Jane Austen adaptations. This season, we're talking about sense and sensibility. I'm Julia. I'm Beth. And I'm Lori. Today, we're discussing the modern Sense and Sensibility adaptation from Prada to Nada. So ladies, what you sipping? Well, I actually don't know what I'm sipping because we're actually recording this episode here at my house. (laughs) Yes, you heard that right. All three of us are actually together today to record. And this is a total and complete accident. It's just a super wonderful, happy accident. (laughs) Um, We had some technical difficulties (laughs) when we were recording. And so we ended up recording in person on a, a visit that we had already planned for Unpodcast related reasons. So I actually had Lori pour me a glass of house wine. And I don't know what kind it is. So, Lori. So. What am I drinking? <laughs> you are drinking the rainbow can for people who don't care about the names and just want to go by looks. Uh, the rainbow can is the sparkling rose. Oh, well, it tastes delightful so far. Only, Thank you. Only a couple sips in. Well, that's two rave reviews for the Rainbow Target can wine, it seems like. (laughs) Julia, what are you drinking? I am drinking the Cavita, I think I'm pronouncing that right, Tart Cherry Kombucha. So, you know, sometimes it's, it's a Friday. I like to celebrate with a little kombucha action, which I feel like is really sad. But you know what? (laughs) Getting wild for me. So... Speaking of things that are fruity, <laughs> like kombucha, what did you guys think of this adaptation? I'm going to start with two opinions. Is this a bad adaptation of Sense and Sensibility? Yes. <laughs> Is this also a bad movie? Mostly yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are very safe statements. Yeah, I would 100% agree with you. I think it's probably a mostly okay movie. I don't know. The scale I feel like would be okay to bad. Not okay. Not fully bad. This movie is like you're sitting on the couch. It's a Thursday night, not a Friday night. And like you're drinking some like okay wine and you're just trying to put on something to mind blank. Yeah. I just want to be entertained. I feel like one thing that was a little bit odd about this movie to me was that it felt very much like, and Lori and I talked about this, an early 2000s teen movie or early 2000s rom-com, yet it was made in, I think, 2011. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That's shocking. I definitely was thinking early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't look at the year. A part of the reason I knew it was 2011 was because Katy Perry played at the beginning. Which threw me through a loop. Gosh, that was one of my notes. The iconic (laughs) Katy Perry California Girls song playing at the beginning. Beautiful. But I couldn't really quite place what time in my life I had heard that song. (laughs) Mm. Um, Well, I feel like we should explain a little bit of what this movie is. So, again, it is called From Prada to Nada, and it is about two sisters, and their father passes away at the beginning of the film, and he is a very rich man, and they have a really nice house. Or so they think. Or so they think. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. So they did have to make some 
uh, let's see, some twists, I guess, to make it work Mm -hmm. for a modern adaptation. So rather than all the inheritance going to their brother, uh, he, they actually found out that their father was bankrupt. So there's no money for them to even inherit. And a really great twist is that their brother, they didn't even know they had a brother. They have a half brother that they did not know about. And him and his wife actually buy the house to kind of like help them out. Which is just a really interesting twist to me. I'm not sure why they felt it was necessary to make him, and this is their words, an illegitimate half-brother instead of just a Mm half-brother. It was weird. They did a lot of things with this adaptation that I don't totally agree with within the first ten minutes. It's like complete flip-flop. It was like, oh, mom's dead, dad's alive. Okay. Yeah. Slightly different. And then, oh, nope, dad's dead too. It was like, what is happening? Yeah. So you actually see their father die on screen, which does make it kind of sad. They're all like dancing together. They're Mm -hmm. happy. And he has a heart attack and dies. Again, this adaptation follows our two main sisters, Eleanor has a name change to Nora, and Marianne has a name change to Mary. And these two girls grew up in a very affluent area of California. And once their father passes away and they realize they have no money, they go and live with their aunt who lives in a West L.A. town that is very heavily uh, a Mexican population, which is what their heritage is in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So they, part of this movie that I actually think was a really cool addition, spoiler alert, is they, um, especially Mary at the beginning, she'll tell people that she's American the whole time, which obviously she is, but she really does not identify at all with her Mexican heritage. And part of moving into this different area of town and moving in with her aunt, it really helps her come to appreciate her culture and her ancestors. And I think that's one part of this movie that is really cool that's just an addition. So I really liked that, along with getting more representation um, in the film. Yeah, there's a very different take on citizen sensibility in a lot of ways. And we had the same sort of romantic storylines. Nora falls in love with her brother's wife's brother, just like she does In the original story, his name is also Edward, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he is a lawyer, and Nora is an aspiring lawyer who eventually goes to work at his law office, and then Mary is a college student, and she gets a crush on her... T.A. Yes, she gets a crush on her T.A., whose name is Rodrigo, and eventually ends up with a neighbor named Bruno, who is Colonel Brandon. Which threw me through a loop, because I don't know about y'all, but it took me about 30 solid minutes to figure out who exactly was who from Hmm. the adaptation. Like, I didn't realize Bruno was Colonel Brandon Mm -hmm. until the night that the family was having their celebration, and he was supposed to give her a flower, but he said, oh, I've already lost. And then it clicked in my head that, oh, he's supposed to be Colonel Brandon. Yeah, there's a big celebration that's basically the equivalent of a ball or a party um, that happens in the book. That is where Bruno sees Mary dancing with Rodrigo and kind of realizes that she loves him and she's not 
going to be dating him. Yeah, I didn't realize Bruno was supposed to be Colonel Brandon either. I definitely thought he was supposed to be Willoughby, which was largely because he is young and he's very mm-hmm. attractive. And it, it does make sense because he is the aunt's neighbor. And so that relationship's kind of the same. And he and Mary have a really, like, bantery relationship. She's actually really rude to him at the beginning. So mm-hmm. honestly, that part's pretty true to the yeah. book. And I think we'll definitely get into this when we talk more about Bruno or Colonel Brandon. But a lot of things that this movie changed had to do with their interpretations of the characters and what they would be like in modern times. And I think that's why um, it was really hard to pick up on the fact that Bruno was supposed to be Colonel Brandon. Um, One thing that I just wanted to say, in terms of the vibe, the aesthetic of this movie, it is, like we said, very early 2000s rom-com. Bright colors, poppy soundtrack, a little bit cheesy, maybe a whole <laughs> lot cheesy. The outfits are pretty iconic. There's a lot of like sweater dresses and things like that. Um, but one thing I think that threw me off was at the beginning of this movie, one of the producers is Lionsgate. And I'm sure you guys have all heard of that production company. They've done a lot of big things. But I expected when I saw Lionsgate, oh, this is going to be a great movie. But I had to remind myself, this was actually 2011, which I don't know if you guys remember this, but as a huge Hunger Games stan, I know that Lionsgate bought the rights to film a Hunger Games movie in that was released in 2013, and that movie saved the studio. Because before that, Lionsgate was going completely bankrupt because they had a bunch of flops in a row, and this one was considered a <laughs> flop based on the critics ratings yeah the critics ratings on this are pretty rough it has a a 39 on metacritic and a 41 percent audience rating on rotten tomatoes so needless to say people weren't really huge fans of this movie and i do understand that yeah. it was entertaining but it wasn't really good like i wouldn't have chosen to watch it again i won't rewatch it I think that if I had seen it when I was in high school, I probably would have liked it more. Mm -hmm. And I think that if this had come out maybe even 10 years earlier, it probably would have been a pretty big hit. Mm -hmm. So with that background information, let's get into talking about the characters. So first, let's talk about Nora Dominguez, who, as we said, she is the equivalent of Eleanor in this film. One thing that I did want to mention as we're talking about the cast, we all love that we're getting more representation Um, but the film does say that the two main characters are Mexican women. Um, and we just felt like it was important to point out that both of them are actually not Mexican. Camilla is half Brazilian and the girl who plays her sister, Mary, who's played by Alexa Pinavega, uh, Alexa is half Colombian. So Nora is played by Camilla Bell, who has been in a couple of things. She was actually in Practical Magic when she was a kid. What? Fun fact. Yeah. So what did you guys think of this take on Nora? I I do have to say, I feel like in modern times, Eleanor as a lawyer really makes sense. It does. It really does make sense, like, her character-wise. But I don't know. This version was kind of iffy to me the entire time and there's one key moment that just broke so far from the adaptation that almost made her character irredeemable to me which is wild um 
it's later on in the movie. Basically, the movie's equivalent to after Willoughby leaves mm-hmm. to go back um, to his aunt's house and Marianne and Eleanor are talking about him or whatever. In the movie, you know, Rodrigo goes back to Mexico for two weeks, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> and Mary Ann asks Eleanor a question about dating him or something. And Eleanor goes, oh, no, that makes you a whore. <gasps> yes. I and I was like, not. what? Eleanor in the book would not call her sister that. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of thoughts about <laughs> Nora in the adaptation, but... That scene specifically was really strange to me because Marianne was saying that she liked the comfort that Rodrigo could provide for mm-hmm. her, which just brings up the further point that I'm sure we'll discuss when we get to Mary. But she basically was saying that she she didn't really seem in love with him. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of saying she wanted to be with him because he would buy her a nice house. So that comment still yeah. was not appropriate and was super strange. And really, honestly, this just felt like a a fine character that had some similarities to Eleanor, but the spirit of this character did not feel like Eleanor Mm -hmm. at all to me. Yes, she's practical and sensible, but did she have that kind-natured spirit that Eleanor has? Was she looking out for the best interests of everyone in her life? No. I I just don't... I don't think she did. I love that she was helping the, the janitors and... That she was working for, you know, I guess the greater good. But uh, I just don't like her that much. Yeah, I feel like her goals would align with probably what Eleanor's would be. Like Beth was alluding to, she takes on a case as she's a, still a law student, but she starts working for Edward's law firm or a form, I guess, a firm that Edward is pretty high up in. And so she takes on this case with these janitors who have been unjustly fired um, and she starts helping them out. That is definitely something that I could see Eleanor doing. But as you alluded to, she is really not very kind. When she meets Edward for the first time, she makes some kind of like cutting, rude, sassy-ish comments, I guess you would call them. And that just does not seem in keeping with Eleanor's character to me. Um, She is unemotional to the point of being kind of like very blunt and pedantic if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and that makes her come off as a little bit unkind um and eleanor just has such a caring spirit that it really it did not read well to me the other thing that i thought was interesting was the way that they chose to portray eleanor and edward's relationship nora and edward it was very weird because basically what happens is they automatically fall in love there's no lucy involved at the beginning Edward is at this party that we've talked about at her aunt's house. He kisses Nora. He tells her he's in love with her. Nora is drunk and tells him that she really admires him and respects him. And then when he kisses her, everything just changes. And she's like, oh, no, we we can't do this, basically. Um, she comes back to work the next day, and she's told that she's gotten a promotion. And then she just quits. And then all of a sudden, she's very hurt. And that's when she calls her sister horror and she's just very unjustly in my in my opinion unjustly hurt by edward because he really didn't do anything nothing to really jeopardize her career at that point he didn't overstep his boundaries because she was the one who initiated the kind of romantic talk so i was just really confused by that it's like they took the essence of what she was 
and then twisted it to their image of a very serious 20-something-year-old in 2010. Hmm. Yeah. It was just strange. I it was like, strange. I didn't love that yeah. storyline for her. Speaking of strange, <laughs> <laughs> the character of Marianne is, again, called Mary. She's played by Alexa Pinavega. Woo-woo. Who, fun fact, was Carmen... Cortez in the Spy Kids films, and I immediately recognized her from that. Mm -hmm. I feel like, in my mind, she will always be Carmen. I just love Spy Kids so much (laughs) as a kid. But she plays Mary. And, y'all, I just gotta get my thoughts out of the way real quick, because most of the notes that I made about this film had to do with Mary. In this film, their version of a uh, woman filled with sensibility and romance means uh, super materialistic, super vain, and I just could not get behind that. The one thing that bothered me so much about this movie was that Marianne's introduction to and the beginning of her love for literature and the arts comes from her attraction to Rodrigo, who again is the Willoughby in the story. So Basically, Mary admits in the story that she is not great at school. She doesn't like school at all. She has absolutely no interest in literature. And that just really bothered me because Marianne's love of literature and romantic things is just such a core part of her being. The thought that she would be drawn into that by a guy is just so bothersome to me. So ultimately, I liked kind of where her character went, but I just did not like the idea that in today's society, Marianne would become a super materialistic and vain girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did not like this version of Marianne at all. The opening scenes of the movie have her going and trying on gigantic sunglasses and parading around with a Prada bag. Not exactly what I think Mary would be doing in the 21st century. For some reason, I see her more, I don't know, like, light academia aesthetic. Yes. Like a theater major in college, maybe. Or English lit, super into books and all. Yes, that's what I was thinking. I was like, she would be a literature major. She would not be begrudgingly going into a literature class and then only paying attention because of a guy. That is, that, oh, that hurt (laughs) me. I do kind of like the fact that at the end, at least to me, she did seem changed. Mm. Like, at the beginning, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, she was not really acknowledging her Mexican heritage. And at the end, she was almost fully embracing it. Yeah. um, If not fully embracing it, which was good character progression. Thank you. But yeah, her whole relationship with Rodrigo was very weird. And then... I think at the end, her, like, quote-unquote romance with Bruno was, like, slightly redeemable, but, Mm -hmm. like, there wasn't, I don't know. It was a very weird, like, her whole, like, romance line, all of the romances, all three of them, and this movie just did not work for me. Yeah, none of them were developed very well, in my opinion. I do want to give a shout-out really quickly, because one thing that she did that I thought was super cool, as we've mentioned... The equivalent of John Dashwood, their brother, in this movie, he actually did not know very much about his dad. Mm -hmm. He thought that his dad abandoned him because that's what his mother had told them. Um, But at Edward's engagement party, 
which obviously that doesn't happen in the book, but there's an engagement party for Edward and Lucy after he and Nora have broken up. And Mary takes that time to deliver just a huge stack of letters that his dad wrote for him. And I really appreciated that because I thought that was definitely something that she would do. Um, And I'm not sure why Nora in the film found the letters that her dad wrote to his son and really did not want him to see them for some reason, which again, that was a weird choice. But I really appreciated the fact that they gave Mary that kind of redeeming moment where even though she doesn't love her brother because he stole her childhood home and all of that, she still feels like it's really important to help him know the truth Mm. of his relationship with his father. I will say the one good thing out of this film I liked their brother. <laughs> I, like, actually found him redeemable because his wife was... Oh, I can't think of a nice word for her. <laughs> a lot. A lot. A lot is putting it mildly. <laughs> um, but she clearly wore the pants in that relationship. Um, but he wanted to interact with his sisters. He wanted to help her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very clear in this film that it was his wife stopping him. And he wasn't, like being twisted i guess mm-hmm. um so he I, wasn't using her words as an excuse exactly he actually wanted to help yeah yeah the thing about mary this is just my main takeaway that she just felt really whiny mm-hmm. and then her love stories were just so kind of unbelievable like you said another like kind of weird thing that they did to tie in Mary Ann's walk in the rain to Morn Willoughby because fun fact in this adaptation Willoughby's been married the entire time dude that made me so mad Mm -hmm. she finds so basically I guess the equivalent of that ball where Mary Ann finally gets spurned by Willoughby is Edward's engagement party yeah it's really weird the timeline in this movie doesn't really make sense yeah it's very off Mary sees um, Mary sees Rodrigo at the engagement party and she thinks he's been in Mexico for weeks and weeks and he has told her that he's going to buy her childhood home and then she sees him with another woman and he says, oh yeah, this is my wife. Like, nothing's wrong. And then just, you know, aside from the fact that he's her TA, obviously that is an inappropriate relationship that should not be allowed. Clearly. Obviously it was manipulation. Mm -hmm. And that really, really bothered me when you find out he's married. So Rodrigo just casually introduces his wife to Mary like it's no big deal. And in the moment, you know, of course, she's just shattered. She is totally shattered. And aside from the fact that a relationship with her TA would be completely inappropriate, you just know from that moment that it was entirely manipulation. He has no feelings from her, which of course is a bit of a divergence from the book, I think. A Mm -hmm. bit? I would say a lot. A lot of a divergence. It was just a sex thing for him, is what it felt like. Yes, and that just, you know, obviously that crushes her. And then there's this cherry on top. That one thing that Mary has in common with Marianne is that she just absolutely adores her childhood home. She really loves it. And that's mm. kind of where you see a little bit of her romantic sensibilities, I think, in this adaptation. And Rodrigo tells Mary and his wife tells Mary that Rodrigo has convinced his wife that they should buy Mary's childhood home, which she had asked him to do with the thought that they could grow old in this home together. And then oh, she discovers that he's bought her home, but not for her. It's just... 
oh, it's heartbreaking. And then she leaves, which, let me say, that exit Whew. was wild. Mm-hmm. Gets into her car. Car has so many issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, it's raining, so I guess that's their attempt to tie in the book. Stay true to the uh, source material. And through the course of, like, getting out, trying to fix her car, and getting back in, basically, she ends up in, like, a massive wreck and ends up in the hospital. That wreck, it scared me. The window just shatters yeah. on her face. Yeah. It was it was a lot. I feel like her recovery, though, was a little bit too fast. <laughs> yeah. And also, Bruno didn't come, which... Yeah. It was really mm-hmm. weird because that felt like such a big diversion from the book that he wasn't there for that. I think they, like, tried to make up for that by making him uh, build the wheelchair ramp. Mm-hmm. That was his, like, quote-unquote thing that he could do because he couldn't go and get their mom because their mom's dead. Yeah. Which, that kind of, that weird plot device kind of threw everything into a tizzy. I'm, yeah, well, it's just so different, you know. A lot of the things I felt like from Emma when we talked about that could be more easily adapted. But I think Sense and Sensibility was so much about the conventions of the time. Mm-hmm. And so the the way that things had to change with, you know, their father actually being bankrupt and not having any money in and the brother buying the house. And then he was actually married. It wasn't like he was leaving because he needed money and so he got engaged with someone else. There's so many things like that that just felt like they were there had to be more change because of the conventions of mm. the time. Right. So the actor that plays Willoughby or Rodrigo is named Kuno Becker. And he's actually he's not been in a lot of American films, but he's been in a lot of foreign films since then, including the film From Mexico with Love. So, Lori, what did you think of Rodrigo? I feel like we've kind of already revealed our opinions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's putting it mildly. I He wasn't Willoughby. Let's mm-hmm. be clear. I mean, I guess if you want to look at the very surface level analysis of Willoughby, then I guess, yes, it checks off the boxes. Some of the boxes. Some of the boxes. One box, <laughs> I think. Um, the betrayal at the end. But... Yeah, it just, it wasn't, he just wasn't Willoughby. So I think the one tie-in that they made, Willoughby, as we said, was her TA in an English class. And he comes into her English class and gives this really impassioned speech about a book they're reading, and it makes Mary fall in love with him and literature. They have this kind of discussion. And honestly, one thing that we can give to Rodrigo is he is also... Mexican. And so his love of his culture and his connection to his culture really does drive Mary to appreciate her culture a little bit more. So you definitely see his influence on her in that way. But the one thing that Mary really loves about him is that he does have money and that he can provide her stability. But I don't know that I really believe that she's in love with him. Which is a really weird twist because isn't in the book Eleanor's whole thing? Having a stable relationship. Very true. It really bothered me. I really wanted to see her genuinely in love Mm -hmm. with him and him genuinely in love with her. And that's just not what, that's just not what they did. And to be fair, she does say she's in love, but Nora, her sister, along with the audience, I feel like really, we, we question the authenticity of that. I didn't believe it at all. And it is very clear, as we've said, Rodrigo did not love her. 
it was just an affair for him, which I feel like really, gosh, that was rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's talk about a better man. Let's talk about Bruno, who is Colonel Brandon in this film. He's played by Wilmer Valderrama, who, you know, he, <laughs> his accent, he's got, he's got quite the presence. Um, but Wilmer Valderrama has been in quite a lot. A lot of you, I'm sure, know him from playing Fez in that 70s show, and many of you know him from playing Torres in NCIS. So how did you guys feel about Bruno in this film? You know, I really did like him, and I saw him as a good match for this version of Mary. Mm -hmm. I think her growth, it makes a lot more sense than it may make in some adaptations of Sense and Sensibility Yeah, for the two of them to end up together and Mm -hmm. for them to genuinely be in love. Now, I don't feel like he captured the spirit of Colonel Brandon and his betrayal. Very different. Yeah. I feel like the acting was great. The scripting Mm -hmm. was maybe not as great. Mm -hmm. So he is kind in the way that he is very sacrificial and is constantly doing things for Marion's family or excuse me for Mary's family he's constantly doing things for Mary's family but he's not he's not kind to her I mean they kind of have this whole like bantery antagonistic almost Mm. sort of relationship so it is weird when they do make that romantic connection. And I right. did love him and the, the party scene where he brings her the flower and then he's really disappointed. Sad. He's saying, like, I lost. Like, you know, she's yeah. with someone else. But he's just not Colonel Brandon. He's not capturing that spirit. And he's so much younger and there's just a lot of difference there. Yeah, he really doesn't have... And this is me after saying I don't like the age difference for how many episodes of this podcast... <laughs> He doesn't have the maturity level, I guess, that quote-unquote normal Colonel Brandon would have. But I guess in the lens of this film and the fact that they're obviously trying to direct this at, like, an early teen audience, which is very clear throughout the entire thing, I guess it makes sense how mature he is for his age in the context of this film, if that makes sense to you. And I think one major difference is just the first impressions that they would have of each other, right? Like, we've already talked about Mary is very different from Marianne. She's kind of spoiled and vain. And Bruno, when she first sees him, Mary's just very creeped out by the neighborhood she's moving into. And she's scared of Bruno. So he doesn't come across as that kind of gallant gentleman that we're expecting, and he is that. But Mary just really misjudges him. One thing that I do feel like we get from this adaptation is, and you've said this before, Beth, but Wilmar Valderrama played the small, quiet moments really well. Like, mm-hmm. at one point, he fixes her rearview mirror in this, like, junky car that she's had to buy uh, without even telling her. But... You really, honestly, the one thing that I feel like is weird is you have no idea what he sees in her from the beginning of the movie because she's just kind of so spoiled and treats him so rudely that you really don't know what he could possibly connect with her about. Um, But then at the end of the movie, when Mary has come to appreciate her culture and literature and the arts because of Rodrigo and her time in this new neighborhood you find out that Bruno's actually this really sweet guy and he teaches kids how to paint on the weekends in his backyard and he does all these really artistic murals. And as we've said, he builds a ramp that he paints this really beautiful flower on for her when she gets in the car crash at the hospital. And 
at the end of the story, Mary's kind of gone through this small character development where she really appreciates that. And then they just kind of automatically fall in love together. Mm. Um, but it, it it is really quick. And I do really feel like it's a definitely a diversion from what Colonel Brandon's character is in the story. And, and you definitely don't see why they would at all like each other or why Bruno would at all like Mary. That's true. Because of her new character in the story. Yeah. I do think it's kind of a typical rom-com romance. Mm, it yeah. has a lot of the same characteristics that that you don't necessarily see in the classic story. But I do think, I know you said that he is not as much of a gallant gentleman. I do mm. think that we do get a gallant gentleman mm. in this adaptation in yeah. Edward. Oh, yes, definitely. So Edward is played by Nicholas D'Agosto. He plays Dr. Graham Maddox on Grey's Anatomy, which is fun. This was not Edward. It wasn't. It wasn't Edward. I have so many I thoughts. I gasped, but I'm really not shocked that you did that. I guess. Like, everything... Okay, first off, can we just say this Edward is not socially inept at all. No. Not shy. No. At all. He, no. He kisses Nora, like, like so right well, Okay, yeah. The main thing to me was, like, he has a... He has a purpose. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the main characteristic of Edward. He is purposeless and he is awkward in the mm-hmm. book. And you get that kind of like, I don't really know who I am yet or mm-hmm. what I want to do. And in this, it's like, he's very driven and charismatic, which is just not how he is in the book at all. I think the other main divergence from Edward's character is that the entire timeline of his relationship with Lucy is off. As we know in the book, he's secretly engaged to Lucy the entire the entire timeline of the story. He was engaged to her well before he met Nora. And what happens in this story is, as we said, he gets kind of a, I guess, a vibe from Nora. <laughs> she starts complimenting him. He kisses her, confesses his love. And then we have no context for how long this takes, I just have to say, which really threw me off. Yeah. But... What we can only assume is, like, maybe a couple weeks later, Nora gets an invitation to his engagement party to Lucy, who we know from the story is his sister's friend. So she's wanting to set him up with Lucy, but it just does not make sense to me that Edward would propose to someone after admitting his love to Nora. It's just weird. Yeah. Edward moves fast in this. I mean, it's so weird that he gets engaged to Lucy, what seems like super fast but then also our our resolution for that is at his engagement party with lucy him and nora have a conversation where she kind of admits that she was and is in love with him which mary pretty much forced her to do <laughs> later on he actually shows up at their house and he has not only bought a house for her but when he hands her the key there is an engagement ring on it which is just crazy no (laughs) out of nowhere and there's really nothing that leads us to believe that him and nora knew each other that well in the first place Mm -hmm. so it's just so crazy that they would interact as little as they did that he would then so quickly get engaged to someone else and then he would quickly end that and not only buy her a house, but propose to her. Yeah. With the house. With the house. With yes. the house. But he also doesn't actually say anything about proposing. He's just like, oh yeah, this is the house that we're going to live in. Sign your name here. And then mm-hmm. you see the engagement ring. And it's kind of like, what in the world? Yeah. So I feel like we can all agree. Edward, his character in the story is just completely off. From the way he's represented in the book, his relationship with Nora or Eleanor is completely different. 
they just decided to do their own thing with Edward, in my opinion. And I don't even think this week that we need to touch on uh, movie-to-book adaptation because, as we've stated, don't really think this is an adaptation, do y'all? Yeah. I mean, I think it is. It's definitely based on it loosely. It's just not Just really. so loosely. <laughs> I think It's just so loosely. I think they just took the overarching ideas, mm-hmm. and that's what they used. I, um, I do feel like one thing I want to mention that we always have to bring up, there's no Margaret, right? Aside from the fact that there's no Margaret, their mother is not alive in this story. Marianne's character is completely different. Willoughby was married the entire time of their romance, or Rodrigo, in this adaptation. And I think one thing that makes this movie just not as good, in my opinion, is that we have so many riches to rag stories going on right now. Like, the entire... Yes. The entire premise of Schitt's Creek is riches to rags. And they're executed... They're doing such a better job. Oh my goodness. And so it was like, this story was the riches to rags thing, and just not executed very well, in my opinion. And I think the main thing was just the characters were were pretty off. And that's why it seems like, is this an adaptation? What are y'all's make it or break it? <laughs> well, my make it was just a relationship with the brother. I love that it was actually positive and he ended up leaving his wife because of how manipulative and crazy she was. Um, and my break it was just like, don't BS me that you think that Bush actually looks like your father. Because... <laughs> It did not. There was a mustache and that was about it. Oh my gosh, no, it did not. And Nora is so attached to it the entire film. She's so attached to it that I don't think we mentioned this movie ends with a wedding between Edward and Nora. And they take wedding photos with the bush that supposedly (laughs) looked like their mother. Um, But, you know, however you want to grieve, I don't feel like I should disrespect that. So my make it, this is, I feel like, out of the blue. Mary's outfits very 2000s chic she has this like long sweater shirt that she wears and it just kind of brought me back to this nostalgic time where there was like no pandemic and we listened to Katy perry and you know things Rip. just <laughs> seemed i was in high school no cares in the world so that was fun i also honestly as much as i didn't feel like bruno was a great adaptation of Colonel Brandon, I really did like his character, and I loved seeing his kind heart be revealed throughout the course of the film. My break it was just, oh my gosh, it was so much. Um, but if I have to pick one thing, I would say the way that they adapted Marianne's character into the form of Mary. It's nothing against the actress. I did enjoy the character development that we saw her progress through, But just them deciding that Marianne's sensibility in 2011 would mean consumerism, materialism, vanity. I just, I really did not like that. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. I think my make it is the lens, I guess, through which this film was made. The fact that it was kind of more of a Hispanic family story, more so than it was Sense and Sensibility. As someone who is not Hispanic, I liked it and I thought it was very well done. I didn't think anything was super cliche. Again, I'm not Hispanic, so I can't really say to that. But I did enjoy it. My break it, I will say, is this is not an adaptation to me. Like, it feels like they found inspiration in a source material and then never looked back at the book. They Mm -hmm. looked at the spark notes and that's about it. Well, Lori, from this... As you would say, not adaptation. 
Who would you choose to date? Well, out of my shining cast of men, I will say. Very (laughs) sexy. I think only one really stands out to me as high quality with, I guess, actions that I would like. Because, let's be real, spoiler alert, it's not Edward. You don't propose with a house when you're not in a relationship. That's just weird. Note for Lori's future husband. <laughs> um, but for this adaptation, I think I would choose Bruno. Mm. Mm. How can you not choose Walmart yeah. Alderama? I'm not surprised because of your deep love for NCIS. Mm. Yes. That and the fact that he does look good fixing a car. <sighs> this is true. Ladies... How was your beverage this evening? You know, I feel like kombucha really always hits the spot for me. The cherry flavor, real good. Uh, Never have a problem with that. I know, Lori, you can agree with me. This is true. It's got some nice little bubbles. It's real tart. So it's it's really good. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've had this drink like a bunch before, um, so I knew I would like it. But if you guys want to try out the Kavita tart cherry kombucha, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, I really enjoyed my... House wine, the rainbow can, whatever, whatever flavor Lori said that that was, it was great. Um, I did pretty much finish it. There's one sip left, but my main takeaway is that they're not kidding when they say that they pack (laughs) half a bottle of wine into one can. So I totally agree with Beth. Y'all already know how much I enjoy house wine. Highly recommend it. Well, ladies, it was such a joy to actually record in person with We're you. We're together! Yay! It's so wonderful. And I just do need to give a personal shout out to our friend Emily, who came in halfway during this recording and has been sitting in silence <laughs> while we have wrapped up. Big Honestly. shout out to our friend Emily. She is the real MVP of this podcast episode. It's for sure not the movie from Prada Tanata. <laughs> and honestly, she's the only person I know that I feel like could have done that successfully. So hats off to you, Emily. Yes. This is true. And so I just want to give everyone a reminder to please uh, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really means a lot to us. We have some really sweet reviews and it's just such a joy to read those. And go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram. We are at Sips and Sensibility Pod. And you can like our Facebook page. We are Sips and Sensibility. So now it's time for the shout out, you guys. And as you know, in the most recent episodes, I've been asking you guys to guess who Lori would date from the adaptation. So a couple of you actually successfully guessed Bruno. I'm proud. Yes, good job. You guys are, you're learning Lori's taste. <laughs> so our shout out this week is What Nina Read. She has a Bookstagram account. So you can find her on Instagram at What Nina Read. That's W H A T N I N A R E A D. So check her out for some really fun book recommendations and Thank you for listening, Nina, so much. We really appreciate it. Next time, we are watching Sense. That's S-C-E-N-T-S. You know, like the things you smell. And Sensibility. You can find it on Amazon. And you can watch it with a free Hallmark trial. And until next time, keep on sipping, y'all.